Good morning. It's the end of 2020. I know that for some of you that even saying that sounds therapeutic, but we have come to the end of our 2020 Digging Deep study. We're in the middle of our study of the 10. We're finishing up the fourth command, and this is the very last dig a bit of the year 2020. Just want to say to you, thank you, because your digging, your encouragement, your being in the Word has been a great blessing to me. We faced some challenges this year, and some of you have faced great loss. I want you to know that you're in my prayers. I want you to know that as you already have learned and experienced this year, that the Word of God is a refuge, Psalm 46. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. James chapter 1 tells us that the trying of our faith works patience. I want you to be looking for that patience, for that perseverance. In the next few days in your lives, as we move into a new year, I know that a new year is not um, a, a boon of great Uh, change or reversal in our land and that we're going through some very difficult things that we'll continue to go through. But for us as Christians, I think it's a great marker for us to say, God has been good. God has been good even through the trials to us. We can count infinite blessings in ways that we've grown and that God and that I will renew my dedication, devotion to studying God's Word throughout the next year so that at the end of 2021, I can be stronger no matter what occurs in the world around me. I can be more fit for heaven. We're going to dig right in into the book of Ezekiel chapter 20 and what the prophet there has to say at the mouth of the Lord about the Sabbath. It came to pass, verse 1, In the seventh year, the fifth month, the tenth day of the month, that certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. And this is Ezekiel talking. These elders are sitting before him. But then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God. I want you to notice how done God is with their profaning his Sabbath, with their idolatry. Have you come to inquire of me? As I live, says the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. Will you judge them, son of man? Will you judge them? Then make known to them the abominations of their fathers. Ezekiel, do you want to be a a prophet, a judge of the people of Israel? Then you tell them exactly what I'm thinking. Say to them, verse 5, thus says the Lord God, On the day when I chose Israel and raised my hand in an oath to the descendants of the house of Jacob and made myself known to them in the land of Egypt, I raised my hand in an oath to them, saying, I am the Lord your God. On that day, I raised my hand. Third time he said, I raised my hand in an oath. He's trying to emphasize here that he wanted to make a covenant with them, a promise to them. I raised my hand in an oath to them to bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them, a land flowing with milk and honey, in fact, the glory of all lands. And then I said to them, every one of you, throw away the abominations which are before his eyes and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. 
but they rebelled against me. Notice here, they're still in Egypt. They weren't leaving idols alone while they were still in slavery in Egypt. He hasn't brought them out yet, but they are rebelling against him and not obeying him, verse 8. They did not cast away, all cast away the abominations which were before their eyes, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. And then I said, I will pour out my fury on them, and I will fulfill my anger against them in the middle of the land of Egypt. They're still in Egypt, but God is angry with them. But instead, God says, I acted for my name's sake. God was protecting his name, that it would not be profaned before the Gentiles among whom they were, in whose sight he had made himself known to them to bring them out of the land of Egypt. God says, They didn't deserve to be brought out of the land of Egypt. They were worshiping idols, but I protected the promise, the covenant that I had made. And we know what this covenant is about. It's eventually about the Messiah. And God protected that covenant even when his people were rebelling against him before he ever led them out of Egypt. So therefore, verse 10 I made them go out of the land of Egypt, and I brought them into the wilderness, and I gave them my statutes, and I showed them my judgments, which if a man does, he will live by them. Moreover, I also gave them my, here it is, Sabbaths, to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them." I want you to notice here the number one reason given here that God gave his Sabbaths was to be a sign of his covenant with the people, that they might know that he is the Lord, verse 12, who sanctifies them or sets them apart from the rest of the world, the the covenant people. And God gave them the Sabbath as a sign or a symbol of, of that promise and reciprocal obedience that he expected from Israel, a covenant, a pledge. And the Sabbath was the symbol of that pledge. Verse 13, yet the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They didn't walk in my statutes. They despised my judgments, which if a man does, he can live by them. And this is the second time he said that. If you do my judgments, you're going to have the best life. You're going to have life. And they greatly defiled my Sabbaths. I want you to see that God's going to mention over and over that they didn't walk in his statutes. They despised his judgments and they defiled his Sabbaths. Just listen for those words. Then I said, I would pour out my fury on them in the wilderness to consume them. But again, God's saying, here I am in the wilderness. We've got this covenant, but they're not keeping the covenant. They're not looking to my judgments and my statutes, and they're defiling my Sabbaths, and I'm going to consume them. But, verse 14, there's a theme going on here. But, again, I acted for my name's sake that it should not be profaned before the Gentiles in whose sight I had brought them out. I want you to notice the second reason that the people should have been keeping the Sabbath was so that the heathen people could see that they were different, that they were sanctified, that they were a people of God. 
And we're going to see that further in just one minute. So I also raise my hand in an oath to them in the wilderness. Here he is raising his hand again. God keeps on being faithful to this covenant and promising with a raised hand that I would not bring them into the land which I had given them, flowing with milk and honey, the glory of all lands, because they despised, here it is, despised my judgments. They didn't walk in my statutes. They profaned my Sabbaths. We see those three things repeatedly. For their heart then went after their idols. Nevertheless, my eye spared them from destruction. I did not make an end of them in the wilderness. Why? Because he was protecting his name before the Gentiles. So first of all, the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant that he is the one who is the Lord, and we have an agreement with him that Israel had an agreement with them. It was a sign of the covenant. It was the exaltation of his name before the Gentiles. Let's go ahead and read on. Verse 18, But I said to their children in the wilderness, Don't walk in the statutes of your fathers, nor observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I'm the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes. Keep my judgments and do them. Hallow my Sabbaths. And they will be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord your God. But nevertheless, verse 21, the children rebelled against me. Here's the three things. We see them over and over. They didn't walk in my statutes. They weren't careful or diligent to observe my judgments which if a man does, here he says it the third time, if you do these things, you'll live by them. I was doing this for your own good, but you weren't listening. And thirdly, they profane my Sabbaths. Then I said, I would pour out my fury on them and fulfill my anger against them in the wilderness. But nevertheless, I withdrew my hand and acted for my name's sake. He's going to protect his name. He's going to protect his integrity, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the Gentiles, in whose sight I had brought them out. Also, I raised my hand in an oath to those in the wilderness. He's raising his hand again. I love the repetition in this chapter. He's really telling us, I intended to keep my promise, and I kept being tempted to, because of my fury and because of those three things, they didn't respect my judgments, they didn't walk in my statutes, and they didn't keep my Sabbaths, and I kept wanting to destroy them. But I raised my hand in an oath to those in the wilderness that I would scatter them among the Gentiles and disperse them throughout the countries because they had not executed my judgments. But instead, the three things, they didn't execute my judgments, they had despised my statutes, and they had profaned my Sabbaths, and their eyes were fixed on their father's idols. Number one, they were to keep the Sabbath because it was a sign of the covenant, the promise, the pledge, the agreement. Number two, they were to keep the Sabbath because in keeping it, they exalted God's name before the Gentiles. The Gentiles could look at them and, and you know, even as perverted as Judaism is today over in Israel, even as, as um, blasphemous really as it is against the, Jesus the Christ, boy, those people over in Israel today know that the whole country is affected because there's 
700,000 Jews that came back to Jerusalem and to Judea um, in the 1940s and made Israel a politically Jewish state. And so there are laws about elevators on the Sabbath day and about walking up steps and about cooking and about there are provisions made for Judaism and those people around Israel um, who are not Jews, who are Palestinians, are looking at the Jews and saying, wow, this is something different that they do. This is this Sabbath keeping is something that sets Jews apart still in the land of Israel today, even as, um, I'm going to say, deteriorated and as profaning as practicing Judaism is today to a Christian, even still over there, the Sabbath day marks those people. It sets them apart. And really, God in in the beginning, when Israel was established in the Old Testament days, he wanted the Gentiles to look at the Jews and say, wow, this is a sanctified people, and keeping the Sabbath is important to them because I am their Lord. So number one, it was the sign of the covenant. Number two, it was the exaltation of God's name before the Gentiles. And number three, it was a buffer of protection against idolatry. It was this time that they stopped every week to think about the reality and think about in the wilderness. They were stopping and the manna that they had gathered up on Friday didn't rot like it did every other day of the week. And they could get up on Saturday and eat the leftover manna in a miraculous um, manifestation of God's mercies to them. The Sabbath day was a time when they stopped and reflected on the power of their God. If they had done that every week as they were supposed to, do you think that would have buffered them from idolatry? I think that's what God was saying here. Verse 25, Therefore I gave them up to statutes that were not good and judgments by which they could not live. Remember, he kept on saying, They could have lived by my judgments, but I just got fed up and I gave them up to judgments by which they couldn't live. And I pronounced them unclean because of their ritual gifts. Here's what the point that they got to. In that, they caused all their firstborn to pass through the fire. That I might make them desolate. And that they might know that I am the Lord. Wow. These people digressed into idolatry for three reasons. They didn't look at the judgments of God. They didn't keep his statutes and they profaned the Sabbaths. And for those reasons, they began to offer their own children as sacrifices to idols. Verse 27, Therefore, son of man, speak to the house of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, In this too your fathers have blasphemed me by being unfaithful to me. When I brought them into the land concerning which I had raised my hand, I kept my oath. I raised my hand that I would bring them into this land, God said. And they saw all the high hills and all the thick trees. There they offered their sacrifices and provoked me with their offerings. There they also sent up their sweet aroma and poured out their drink offerings. And then I said, what is this high place to which you go? So its name is called Bama to this day. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, 
Thus says the Lord God, Are you defiling yourselves in the manner of your fathers and committing harlotry according to their abominations? For when you offer your gifts and make your sons pass through the fire, when you are making sacrifices of your children, physical sacrifices of your children, making them pass through the fire, you defile yourself with all your idols, even to this day. And then he goes back to the beginning. So shall I be inquired of, of by you, O house of Israel? God said, I'm not going to listen to your questions. Am I supposed to listen to you when your sons are being offered to idols? As I live, says the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. What you have in your mind shall never be when you say, we will be like the Gentiles, like the families in other countries, serving wood and stone. God is just done with idolatry here. So let's look at the progression. Let's look at the reasons. Number one, the Sabbath. Here are the three things God keeps saying. You didn't walk in my statutes. You didn't listen to my judgments. And you profane the Sabbath. Why do you pick out the Sabbath? Why not pick out you didn't honor your father and mother? Why not pick out you committed adultery? Why not pick out you uh, lied or coveted. That's not what God picked out. He picked out the Sabbath because it was the sign of the covenant. It was the symbol of the covenant that he had between, oh, I, I can make so many parallels today. Think about baptism. That's the symbol of our covenant that puts us into the saved relationship with God. And look at the way the world is profaning that today. Look at the way they are casting that aside as unimportant, disregarding it, the very commandment by which we live, Romans 6, 3, and 4, and yet they're just disregarding it, the whole world. Oh, and God is saying, you will not be in Christ. You will not be a part of my covenant. I will cast you aside. Because you can live by this sign of the covenant. God is telling us, that's just a pretty direct parallel between the Sabbath and baptism today. But we're going to move to a different parallel as well that's very current. And not that baptism isn't, but this is a very current parallel that I want to make today. So he says, first of all, the Sabbath was a sign of the covenant. It was the symbol that we are in a relationship. And you disregarded that symbol. It's like you threw your wedding ring away. You just threw it away. The next reason for keeping the Sabbath that's made very clear here is that it exalts God's name before the Gentiles. The next reason is that it buffers you. It makes you naturally distance yourself from idolatry. Those are three very good reasons that are straight from this text that the people were to keep the Sabbath. But I want you to notice too that the children paid the ultimate price here for the desecration of the Sabbath. I'm talking about children losing their lives in senseless sacrifice to idols because of the sins of the parents, because the profaning of the Sabbath and the ignoring of the judgments of God. The children were being passed through the fire, losing their lives. Now, I just want to make maybe not a perfect parallel as we close, but 
but a parallel that is um, worthy of our looking at in some respects at least. Today we're having a very hard time assembling with the people of God. Although we're not commanded to rest on Sunday, we're not commanded to not go out and pick up the manna on Sunday. There are some very real differences in the Sabbath keeping and worshiping on the Lord's Day, but we are commanded to do something to reverence, to give obeisance to our God on a particular day of the week, on Sunday. I just want to suggest to you that that is a sign of our covenant. When we are worshiping the Lord and partaking of the Lord's Supper on Sunday together, when we are remembering the body and blood of the Lord, that's a sign of our covenant. That's a symbol that we are His, that He is our God who gave His Son so that we might have redemption. It's a symbol of our covenant when we assemble together on Sundays. It's a sign of the covenant. It's an exaltation of his name among the Gentiles. Now, I know that we're technically Gentiles, but it is a symbol of, it is an exaltation of his name before our neighbors who are not Christians, who are not part of the spiritual Israel today. It's a it's an exaltation of his name before our neighbors who do not give God credence in their lives. I, I see this very clearly. My neighbors know why my car is pulling out of my driveway on Sunday mornings. And if something happened at my house, if a fire happened on Sunday morning, if a robbery happened on Sunday morning, every one of my neighbors would know the place at which Cindy Colley could be reached. I mean, it is, a, it is an exaltation. It is a way that our neighbors recognize that we are people of God. So a sign of the covenant, an exaltation of his name before the Gentiles. And I want to say that it's a buffer of protection. What else does it mean when... The scriptures tell us that some were weak and sickly among you um, and were partaking of the Lord's Supper. Let's just turn over there. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and look at that real quickly. And while you're turning there, let's just think about the power of that passage with regard to our spiritual welfare. And we're going to begin in... um, Let's begin in verse 27. Well, verse 26, he reviews the the institution of the Lord's Supper. And then in verse 26, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. What is that? That is that we are with this symbol, exalting his name before the Gentiles. But then in verse 27, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. 
Well, here's how we're supposed to partake of it. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner without discerning the Lord's body, eats and drinks judgment to himself. For this reason, verse 30 is important. Many are weak and sick among you, and many are even dead. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we're judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may be not be condemned with the world. What he's saying here is when we come together to eat the Lord's Supper, we can either be spiritually enriched and nourished and growing, or we can be sicker when we leave that place than we were when we came. He's saying here that the Lord's Supper is a definitive marker in our Christian lives to help protect us from sin, from infidelity, from the idolatry that this world offers. Oh, our coming together, our assembling together is a buffer of protection for us against the idolatry of the world. Let's think about, and we already have thought about how that it, it's a it's a sign of our covenant. It's an exaltation of his name before the Gentiles. It's a buffer of protection against the idolatry of this world. Before I leave this point, I do want to mention that I was having a conversation with a young college-aged man the other day, and he was going on a trip for pretty much for pleasure. And he was going to be out of town with a group of people doing fun things on Sunday, traveling. And he said, well, we're kind of hoping that we'll be able to find a congregation. But, you know, if we can't find a congregation, then we'll just, we'll just listen later. We'll just listen to one of the many broadcasts that we can hear, podcasts, live streams that are archived. You know, we can just listen anytime these days. We can do pretty much whatever we want to and still find something to listen to. You know what? We're talking about the Lord's Day. We're talking about the command to assemble. We have to be really, really careful that we in this um, time when it's, it's become challenging and we have needed for people who are sick and people who are very infirm to live stream our services on Sunday. You know what? That is not what God had in mind when he said on Sunday, you come together, 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 16, when we, when we are commanded to assemble, there are reasons behind that. We can't substitute some technology for assembling together with the people of God. I, I just want you to think about it with me just for a minute. How are we exalting him before the Gentiles? When our car doesn't go out of the driveway on Sundays. If we're able to get to the assembly of God's people, we're assembling there with them for reasons. First of all, because it's a sign of our covenant. Secondly, because Gentiles are looking at us. Thirdly, because it serves as a buffer of protection for us against idolatry. What is that 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 young man was talking to me about if not idolatry, something that's fun takes the place of assembling with the people of God. 
Well, that's giving the allegiance that belongs to God to somebody or something else. That's idolatry. I just want to beg of us to do our very best to assemble with the people of God for the same reasons that the people in the Old Testament times were taught to keep the Sabbath. And I want to close with this. If we're not observing the first day of the week in the way that the Lord commanded us to, our children will pay the price. Our children are the ones who will pay the price. Think about that. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Is the price eternal? Well, yeah. The price for these Israelite children was physical death. The price for our children, if we do not seek first the kingdom of God, is often spiritual death. I want us to just be careful how we view the assembly, the gathering together to listen to the word of God, to partake of the communion with our brethren in a corporate assembly. That's the way that God intended for us to do three things. Number one, remember his covenant. That's exactly what we're doing. Number two, exalt his name before the Gentiles. That's exactly what the spiritual Israel does when we are diligent in assembling with the saints on Sunday. Number three, obtain that buffer of protection from the calls of the world. Too many times today I'm hearing people say, yeah, I was doing this or that while the saints were assembling, but that's okay. I'll listen to live stream later. Oh, that's not exalting his name before the Gentiles. And it's not going to protect us from the idols of this world. We're going to become more and more deeply entrenched in seeking our own selfish wills erecting our own idols, whether it's sports or entertainment or um, academia, we are going to be, we're giving up our buffer of protection when we fail to do our very best to assemble with the saints. I'm grateful for elders in our local congregation who are doing everything that they can to keep our Sunday assemblies regular and happening. I hope that You are in congregations that are doing the same. I love you. Thank you for digging deep in 2020. And may we head toward 2021 with a bright outlook as we consider God's mercies, with a thankful and humble heart for his goodness to us, and with an absolute hard and fast dedication to doing his will for every day of 2021. Have a great one.